So I'm going to talk about karma today. I thought karma would be a good topic, and there's three aspects that are important when I talk about karma. And the first aspect applies to everybody, and the second two apply to Buddhists and Hindus. Yeah, I think Buddhists and Hindus. Buddhists for sure. Okay, so I just posted a letter on my Facebook page this morning, and it had to do with a fellow in New Jersey who stole a bottle of ketchup from Perkins, which is a restaurant. And the next day, somebody hit his car. And then something else happened. And then something else happened. And he realized, because he had stole that ketchup, he had messed up his karma. So he wrote a nice letter to Perkins and bought two new bottles of ketchup and dropped them off, hoping that his good merit from the two bottles of ketchup would balance out the demerit from sealing the ketchup in the first place. So karma is cause and effect. But for Buddhists, karma is cause, not effect. So we have karma, vipaka, cause, consequence, cause, effect. And our karma is something that is generated by what we think, say, and do. So we are all transformers, if you will. We are taking a neutral energy that's out there everywhere, and we're transforming it and giving it a moral value. Skillful, unskillful, good, bad. Now, oftentimes when we're speaking and acting, we're not really concerned too much about the outcome until it's really a negative outcome. But when we're thinking, it's almost like it doesn't count because it's always in our head. And if you look at karma as having a particular value, the thought karma is the least important, the speech karma is the next important, and the action karma is the most important. So before we turn our thoughts into speech, we need to reflect and say to ourselves, am I going to be creating good karma? Am I going to be creating and transforming energy in a skillful way, or will it turn out to be an unskillful way? Now, we all know that we can tell how good our karma was by the effect that it caused. So, so if we wait long enough to see the consequences of what we say and do, we will understand skillful or unskillful. But it's sort of after the fact. And would there be a better way to do it? Would there be a way immediately to know with what you're saying and doing is going to be skillful? And as it turns out, there is. And what we need to do is we need to meditate. And we need to watch our minds. And we need to look out very carefully for the three poisons. And the three poisons are greed, hatred, and delusion. And if that is the intention behind your speech and action, chances are that we will have uncomfortable consequences. But on the other hand, if you have the intention of generosity, compassion, or it's rooted in wisdom, chances are it'll be a pleasant outcome. So we have skillful and unskillful. We have more suffering and we have less suffering. So as a Buddhist, we really don't 
take the world and, and, and say, okay, good and bad, white hat and black hat. We don't really go there because there's too much gray. So what we would do is we'd say, is it skillful? Is what I'm saying and doing skillful? Not good, but skillful. And in thinking about good, what I came up with was this. Good is arbitrary because certain things are good at certain times and not so good at other times. So back in the 70s, to save gas, everybody was driving at 55. Driving at 55 was good because you were saving gas. In 2019, driving at 55 is bad because people are angry with you and they want to run you off the road. So we have this sort of good and bad dichotomy that's arbitrary and depends on, on time and space. Where is it? What time is it? What's appropriate now in this present moment? And as you get older and you start to see the years pass by, 40, 50, 60, 70, you start to realize you've been through a lot of paradigm shifts. A lot of things have changed in your lifetime. And you are not living in the same world you were living in 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's really sort of, I don't want to say depressing, but sort of sad. In 1969, I moved to Los Angeles. It was actually in July of 1969. So I just had my 50-year anniversary in Los Angeles. And I was thinking back to when I first got here and ended up on Sunset Boulevard, walking down the street, and all the hippies and the doors were playing at the Troubadour or something. And it was just, there was so much excitement all these pioneers were walking around, dropping acid, wondering what would happen to their consciousness. You know, they didn't have the kids yet, or the family yet, or the job yet. And it was just sort of a special, magical time. Then they got kids, then they got wives, then they got jobs. And now you walk down Sunset Boulevard and everything's closed, you know? Everything's changed and the buildings are being torn down and replaced by other buildings. And businesses have come and gone, and I can't tell you how many restaurants that I used to go to no longer exist. I mean, what happens, you know, even, even norms, Santa Monica, you would think they would never take norms away, because it was always busy when I went there, and all the people eating there sort of looked like me. It was three o'clock, we were all having dinner, you know, <laughs> and we all had gray hair, and it was just okay, and now it's gone. So when we think about our karma, we need to reflect on time and place. What's appropriate? What should I be aware of? What should I take into consideration before I say what I'm about to say or do what I'm about to do? So we go and we look at our mind and we go, wow, there it is. Greed, hatred, delusion. Okay, what is this thought based in? Is it based in greed? Is it about me? Do I want more? Do I want control? You know? Or is it based in generosity? Is it based in hatred and anger? Or is it based in compassion and kindness? How can I decipher all these little intentions? We do that in meditation. We sit quietly for hours at a time just watching mind come and go, think and not think create. And then we start to say to ourselves, yeah, okay, 
that's not a good thought. I'm going to have to wait until it goes away. And thankfully, they all go away. Every thought you've ever had has gone away, replaced by a new one, sometimes better, sometimes worse, oftentimes by nothing related to the previous thought. It's just thinking, thinking. You know, and so we go through our life and we're just thinking, thinking, and then we start to say, well, I'm going to share some of this thinking, thinking with the world, so I'm going to talk. And that's when you finally realize that not everybody's on the same page. And not everybody is going to think what you're thinking and, and appreciate the, the subtleties of your thought process. Because it's very personal to all of us what we think. Is it good? Do I want two dips of ice cream instead of one? Would that be greed? That would be greed. Especially at a certain age, that's very much greed. Would one suffice? One would be perfect. But no, we want two, and we want Hershey syrup also. So all of a sudden, greed starts building this want and this desire and this need. You know, and there you are, saying, I've got to, I'm driven by this. I've got to do it. But do we have to do it? Do we have enough personal discipline to simply wait it out? Wait for it to turn into something else? You know, and that comes again with the meditation practice that some of us do, that we sit quietly thinking and not acting. We just let it arise, exist, and pass away. And we get an idea of how it feels not to act on everything you think, not to speak on everything you think. We simply allow it to happen and allow it to fade away. So when we go into a situation, a lot of situations can go south quickly. And a few wrong words or a few wrong actions can ruin your day, week, or month. And if only you had taken a breath or two before you had spoken or acted, things would be so much different. Karma. Is karma our friend or is karma our foe? It's up to us to decide which it's going to be. I like karma because karma does not hold a grudge. Karma does not want to make my life worse. Karma is not trying to penalize me for anything. It's like gravity. Gravity could care less if you fall or stand. And that's what I enjoy about karma. Now, the second aspect of karma that I want to talk about is how karma takes the place of God. Da-da-da! <laughs> and why would I say it in that way? Because we don't have a divine lawgiver. We have no superpower or external agent that decides for us what is right and what is wrong. We have karma instead. It decides for us what is skillful and unskillful. It decides for us how much we're going to suffer or not suffer. I really like that idea. Because I never looked at karma as wanting to do me in. I looked at karma as just there to remind me what's skillful and unskillful is all about. And if I'm having a bad day, a really bad day, it probably has a lot to do with me 
And if that's the case, I need to sort of wake up and look around and see what I'm thinking, what I'm saying, what I'm doing, and how it's affecting people and situations and myself in particular. So a few months ago, and I know Reverend Schrada also, we went down and we got our California ID, the real ID. And so I shared with Reverend Schrada what my what I decided to do. I decided to go to Culver City because it's a smaller DMV. And I called up and made an appointment because that's what they said to do. And when I went there, there were three people in the appointment line and 50 people in the non-appointment line. And I thought to myself, hey, this might work out. And I had all the proper ID And I went up, and everybody was really pleasant. I was expecting just terrible people. But they were all very pleasant and helpful. And then I took my driving test, my written driving test, and I failed. (laughs) Because I hadn't taken it in 10 years. I thought I knew, but I missed some really dumb things, of course. And, And so the woman said, well, you know, you get to take two more today. So why don't you just sit down and think about it? And think about the ones that you missed, and then do it again. And she said to me, I know you can do it. (laughs) And I did it. I passed. I only missed one the second time. And I felt so proud of myself. And now I'm the proud owner of a California real ID. And when it was time for my picture, I stood there and had it taken, and it turned out terrible. I said, do you guys have Photoshop or anything? Can you just make me look a little bit better? And you know what the guy said to me? He said, sir, this is the real you. (laughs) And I went, no, no. So now the real ID has a real me in a picture. So, you know, was my karma good? I think my karma was pretty good in this whole situation because of what I was saying and what I was doing, and I was in the flow of the DMV. And I was just sort of roll over here and roll over there, and I didn't feel resentment. It just sort of all worked out. And we all know that it's going to be okay if we get into the flow. And so the second aspect is that Rather than God, we are non-theistic as Buddhists. Now, let me need to clarify this. What is a non-theist? A non-theist is someone who doesn't have God at the head of their religion, but doesn't deny God either. And if you read the ancient Buddhist text, the Buddha believed in the gods, small g, of India. In fact, he went so far as to teach the gods of India how to be better gods. Now, I thought that is cool, that the Buddha was teaching the gods. Now we have the one god of the desert, but you know what? The Buddha never went any further than 300 miles from his birthplace. He never met anybody who believed in the one god of the desert. So he didn't know that concept at all. He knew the concept of the hierarchy of gods of India. And he realized they were all imperfect. Okay, so as a Buddhist, when we change our life, we don't petition God 
to interact with us and change it. What we do is we change it by what we think, what we say, and what we do. And that would be our karma. That would be our friend. Our friend, karma, is helping us have a better life because in each and every moment we find ourselves in, we are trying and ultimately will be more perfect in what we think, say, and do. So that's aspect number two. First of all, karma, it's we're transformers, we're changing the energy, skillful, unskillful. Number two, it defines for us how to be skillful and unskillful by how much we suffer or don't suffer. And number three, which is the hardest one for a non-Buddhist to really grasp and hold on to, is the fact that when we die, nothing travels to the next lifetime except our karma. It migrates lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. So, how does that work? Well, if we're transforming all this energy, and we have skillful energy and unskillful energy, imagine a little boat with a motor, and it has a wake behind it. And now, you die. And the little boat sinks. But the wake continues and hooks up with the next boat. The next person we will be. But it won't be us. Unfortunately, we don't get to go. It ends. But if you think about it clearly, every moment we don't get to go. Somebody else takes our place in every moment, in every hour. In every day, there's enough similarities between all these strangers and other people to let people think that it's really us. But it's not. You don't want to tell them it's not you, because they're going to freak out. But it's somebody who's taking your place. You're in this race, and you have this baton, and you keep handing it off to the next person. And some of those people you hand the baton off of your life they're really good runners, and they run fast, and you have a great second leg of the relay. And then you hand it off again, and the guy's sort of a jerk. He doesn't want to do anything. And so now your life sort of takes a dip. You go, oh, man, we were doing so good. We could have won the race. But this guy, and then he gets to hand it off again, and that guy might be the best guy at all. And now the race is on again, and we have a wonderful life. And finally, the last relay guy, he dies, dead right on the track. And you go, oh, man. But the baton keeps going into the next lifetime, into the next person, and you pick it up. So what does that mean? It means that sometimes we're born in Phoenix, Arizona, and sometimes we're born in Palos Verdes. Now, I don't know which one you think might be the best, but I might go for Paulus Verdes, you know? And I've lived in Phoenix, and I've been to Paulus Verdes. I like Paulus Verdes. So what does that mean now? It means we, we had good karma in the past life. We did a lot of good things. We, our karma account was full, you know? So does that mean the next life will be a wonderful life? Not if you don't work on it. Because you'll just keep taking out, withdrawing from your karma account. And one day it'll be empty. And one day you're going to steal a bottle of ketchup and your life's going to turn to hell. So you've got to put some more merit in the karma account. 
You got to think good thoughts, say good things, do good deeds. And in doing that, you're building your karma account. Not only will you have a better life this time, you'll have a better rebirth and life in the next time. So we as Buddhists have a whole lot of stuff to do. We can't just sit back and say a little prayer and hope it turns out well. We got to sit down and we got to meditate. We got to see how our brain works, what the thoughts are all about. Are they good or bad, skillful or unskillful? Then we have to monitor what we say and what we do every moment of the day. And it's tiring and it's difficult. And that's why people take naps because they're just tired of monitoring all day long, you know? And then you start to realize that everything you think, say, and do in this lifetime determines your next lifetime. And when you're 20, you don't care. And when you're 30, you don't care. And when you're 70, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. (laughs) You're going to do good things now because they will pay off not too far in the future. So there you are. And now, as you lie on your deathbed, taking your last few breaths, if you're lucky enough to have a friend or family member or Buddhist monk, he's going to be there reminding you of all the good deeds you did during your life, all the things that made a difference in your life and the lives of others around you, telling you about all the karma you have manifested And it's in your karma account. And that last breath will be a breath of satisfaction. A life well lived. And a new life about to happen. And there's no fear. There's sort of excitement. Because your body is old and crippled and decrepit and it hurts all the time. And now you get a brand new one. And it's going to be really good. And you can hardly wait. And then you die. So karma is really important. We need to think about it a lot. We need to appreciate what it can do and what it will do if we're unskillful, but what it will do if we are skillful. So that's what I wanted to share with you today.